Hey friends, welcome to the Confetti Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hinshaw. I believe that picture books open the magic for all readers. Today, open your heart and let all the book feels in. It's going to be so much fun. Let's open the magic. Welcome to another episode of Confetti Moments. I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode, are you sitting down? Because it's going to be a bookful episode. I get to talk with Andrea Wang, Newbery Award winner and Asian Pacific American Award winner for literature. Without further ado, welcome. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited. And I know you're going to tell all the things. So Please do that right now. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how did you become an author of children's books? Okay, I uh, was an environmental scientist before I became an author of children's books, uh, but I had always wanted to write. And it wasn't something that my parents who were Chinese immigrants, uh, they didn't really encourage that because they knew it wasn't going to be a stable career. And I loved science and went on to become a scientist. But when my kids were born and I started reading them all the picture books and just seeing their reactions to the picture books and hearing them laugh and respond and connect, it just filled me with so much joy. And I said, I really need to start writing again. And it took until a few years later when my husband and I and our children visited my in-laws in China. And we were pretty far from the city and it was hard to get um, English language books. And I quickly ran out of the four books that I, you know, had brought with me. Right. And when we did get a chance to go to the English language bookstore, the selection was not so great and it was very expensive. So I started writing my own stories then and came back and took classes and eventually got my, you know, a degree in creative writing. And here we are. (laughs) I love that. It's, oh my gosh, what a testament to your children about how important literature is. And then also a testament to yourself that you can do anything. I mean, you were a scientist and now you're an award-winning author. How amazing does that make you feel? It feels pretty good. Yeah. Um, And I really like to tell kids at school visits that you don't have to be just one thing during your lifetime. You don't have to choose a career and stay in it for the rest of your life. You can go on and do many things with your life. Oh my gosh. I I felt like just moved by that last (laughs) comment. It's so true because I feel like we start in our careers. And as you know, I'm a teacher and, but then I started Ramona recommends and while they're kind of similar, they're very different. And I love doing both and it's who I am. And, you know, teaching will always be my number one, but I, I love Ramona too. And I love being able to share picture books with people all over the world and share your book, book Watercress. And it is an absolute incredible story that I want my listeners of Confetti Moments to learn more about if they haven't read it. So would you mind telling us the story behind Watercress and what it means to you? So Watercress is a semi-autobiographical story based on this memory that I have of picking watercress um, in rural Ohio where I grew up with my family. And my 
mom had spotted it growing by the side of the road while we're taking a car ride and she made my dad stop the car and we all piled out and we had to like go down into this muddy ditch and pick the watercress. Some kids might have enjoyed that. I did not. (laughs) I would not enjoy that either. It was just like, you know, this memory, you know, that experience that made me feel even more other than I already did because you know, we lived in a very small town. I was the only Asian American kid in my class and actually in my grade for all the years that I lived there until we moved to Boston when I was 13. And, you know, this just made me feel so much more different, you know, and from everybody else. And I was never going to talk about it, (laughs) but I kept having this memory. And so I felt like I needed to write about it in order to figure out why I couldn't let this go. And it, started out as a personal essay and it sort of morphed over the years to a picture book and finally into this free verse form that you see in the book today. I love that. Now, where in Ohio did you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Yellow Springs. It's the home of Antioch College where my father taught for a while. Yeah. And it's a very progressive town. Um, at least it was in the 70s. I think it still is today, but still it was Ohio in the 70s. <laughs> is it nearer Toledo, Ohio or no? I'm guessing it's probably not, but look on your face. I actually confessed that my geography um, knowledge of Ohio is not, I mean, we moved away when I was 13, so it wasn't like I it's okay. I'm, we're not, really no. not going to grade you on your geography. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's great. My sister was born in Ohio. So I always love to ask my students had a question for you. They wanted to know like what, because they felt that it was like, as you kind of shared, it was a negative to pick watercress. Did that in your community, like say anything about you or was that your own perceived notion that you're, you felt less because you were picking watercress or was it a known feeling? If, I, if you get what I'm trying to ask. I mean, I think like most children of color, we know that other people perceive us as different and we know when we're being othered right? I mean, I don't know that I could point to any particular instance, but the fact that my friends never talked about, oh yeah, we pick food from the wild or, you know, I don't even remember them talking about having gardens at home, you know, and that would have been fine. At least that's kind of like an acceptable activity, right? To pick food out of your garden, Um, but picking it out of a ditch and, you know, knowing that we probably didn't have as much money as my friends did. Um, You know, my father stopped working after a while. And so my mother was the sole breadwinner. All of these things contributed to making me feel other. And there were definitely microaggressions. Um, You know, it was not long after the Vietnam War and people don't distinguish between Asians of different nationalities, right? right? I find that really interesting because my dad, he grew up on a farm and he picked cotton most of his childhood. It's just like what they did. And he didn't know any different because that's what everybody did in his small town in Tennessee. And so his, well, he would say his cousin, like they were like the rich family in the town. And so he felt different that way. 
but he said he really, he didn't know that there was like other life out there until he left for the army at 18. So it's just, it's interesting how everyone kind of has their own, I guess, idea of what it feels to be normal. And then also what it feels to feel as you're saying othered. That's, that's a really interesting point. So thank you for being so open and sharing. No problem. I mean, the reaction to the book has been really heartwarming and it's really been interesting to see that people from all different backgrounds Mm -hmm. share that universal emotion of feeling like they don't belong. You know, I mean, even the most popular kid in class is going to have moments where they feel like they don't belong. Um, And that is not something I would ever have occurred to me as a kid. (laughs) Right. Well, it's like that. I don't know if you're a Taylor Swift fan, but I am. Oh, no, 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 not Taylor Swift. It's Kelsey Ballerini. But she has a song called Homecoming Queen. And it's like, everyone thinks that like, I have no problems and I'm X, Y, and Z. And she's like, but I'm so lonely and sad inside. And I think that's like what I, I love social media, but I hate social media because of that. Because everybody posts their amazing office spaces, their book collection, but they don't post the anxiety that they're feeling about posting about the book collection or whatever. So right, right. Yeah, your book. Oh my gosh. It's so much more than just I keep looking at it because it's just so pretty. Jason's illustrations are incredible. Um, but it's more than a book. It's really a love letter to everybody that like you said of who feels different or who feels left out and no and saying you you're you're not and you can rise above. And I just I I love that. A question that you don't know I'm going to ask, but I now just want to ask, have you met Jason? Do you know Jason? Have you had an interaction with Jason? So prior to um, the book, Jason and I did not know each other. I knew of him because he had, you know, previously illustrated a bunch of really spectacular books. Um, And typically for a picture book, the author and the illustrator don't ever meet. Right. You know, I mean, I find fascinating these days in social media, we sort of tend to like, you know, shout each other out and stuff. But during the illustrating process as an author, we really try not to impose our own vision on the illustrator. Right. They have their own vision. The art director and the editor have their own vision. So um, that's usually the way it is. It's a separation. But since this was such a personal story, our editor, Neil Porter, felt like Jason and I should meet. So in at a conference in 2019, we actually did meet. We sat down. We shared stories about our families. And um, later on, I, when I got home, I sent him photos from my childhood, from my parents and grandparents. Um, and uh, we talked on the phone whenever he had a question. But other than that, I tried to just leave him alone <laughs> to do his thing. And now he's a Caldecott medalist. So clearly, <laughs> clearly you both just did your thing. Yeah, and he did a great thing. Um, but uh, it, it was a really collaborative process. And it was just it's been really fun. We've been doing a lot of interviews together and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I know I laugh that I feel like I should, I want to write a book. I'm just not there yet. I have my ideas and everything, but that the process of not getting to like pick my illustrator or like have any, like that, that's going to be a whole life lesson right there for me. Cause you know, a type personality over here, but I think <laughs> it's a good life lesson to have to learn, like let them do the magic with your words, which is a really neat experience. 
Okay. The question I've been wanting to ask you this whole interview is tell us how does it feel to be a two-time award-winning author and walk us through that day? Like from the moment, like I I need to know everything, just as much as you (laughs) want to share, I need to know. It wasn't actually just one day. Um, So I found out about the Asian Pacific American Award for Literature in December, a full month before it was announced um, at the ALA conference. And so I had to keep that secret for a long time. So I just tried to put that out of my head, but it was a very wonderful, um, surprising phone call from my editor. And he got to tell me the news and uh, that was just, it was a really special day. And usually the calls for the two biggest, you know, awards, the Caldecott and the Newberry, um, I think in the before times when the conference happens in person, that the winners get notified that morning, you know, so there's no possibility of the news getting out. But in in these times when it's all virtual, um, Jason got a call the Saturday before. And it was a surprise Zoom call. He wasn't expecting it. I think he talks about it on some blogs. Um, But uh, he looks up at the screen and the Caldecott committee is looking back at him. (laughs) So I'm like over here crying. I'm just going to let everyone know. Just I'm crying. Okay. And uh, so I found out after that, um, Neil, our editor, called me, conferenced Jason in and let Jason tell me that he had just won the Caldecott. Um, and I think I shed quite a few tears and I was just so, so incredibly happy for him. I mean, I he just, there were so many deserving books that came out last year, but, you know, I just felt like he did such an incredible job with the emotions in this book. Um, and then, you know, I was perfectly content, right? <laughs> he had won the Caldecott medal. We had both gotten the Apollo award that was great. And then Sunday, I'm just watching TV with my husband and I get a phone call from an unknown number in Chicago. And I am not one of those people that has done all my research and knows where all the Caldecott committee or the Newberry committee people live or where the ALA is based. I don't know any of that. And I I was like, should I pick it up? (laughs) So I picked it up, not expecting anything. And it was someone from, um, ALA, the American Libraries Association, who said, we'll be calling you right back with the Newberry Committee. Um, so please pick up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, they called back uh, a moment later and told me the news. And I was just absolutely stunned because, you know, picture books don't typically win Newberry oh. recognition. And um to win the Newberry honor was really, really special. So I'm oh, so special. It's, it's been surreal. <laughs> I mean, look what your gift is doing for other people. And we're going to talk about it in a second about why picture books are so important, but your gift, you are changing the world for myself. And as an adult, for my students who are fifth graders, who most of them are of Chinese descent, and they felt so connected to your book and seeing and I just love that. I mean, it's incredible. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I thank you for sharing that. That means a lot to me that, you know, that's really what every author dreams of is that their 
um, the readers feel seen and understood through reading their books. Yes. Oh, gosh, I have to fix my makeup. <laughs> so why, why do you think picture books are so important? Like, I know why. I mean, that's my whole jam on Ramona is talking about picture books. But why is it? As an author, why do you feel that they're so important that they need to be out in the world? I mean, I think we need to get those values in while they're young, right? I, we need to show them um, what empathy looks like, to teach them empathy. We need to show them the experiences of people who on the surface may not look like them or have the same things that they have but that underneath all of that, that we're all really the same. We all have this shared humanity. And I think if we all felt that more and understood that more, we wouldn't have such a divisive society right now. I'm like, I want to meet you in real life because I feel like we'd be really good friends um, because I 100% agree. It's, our kids need to learn empathy. They need to learn that we all are the same even if we look different. And like I shared earlier, I teach in a school where I am the minority and most of my kids do not look like me. And just watching how beautiful it is, most of my kids intertwine with all these different ethnicities and they don't think anything of it. But like I grew up in a school where most of my friends were white and it's just such a blessing that I can, you know, see that. And hope for one day have my own children when I have them see that too, because we all deserve to, as Augie says from Wonder, we all deserve a standing ovation in our life. Yeah. I love that. We do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, I'm just like having a moment here, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> what is talking about kids? What were you like as a reader? And do you think it correlates to you wanting to be an author later in life? Absolutely. Absolutely. My parents were always very big on education and reading. I learned to read when I was really young. Um, and my mother would say it was because of Sesame Street. And that one day I walked up into the kitchen or toddled into the kitchen and uh, spelled out the word bread on the side of the bread bag and read it to her. And she was just stunned. Um, and I it just took off from there. I read voraciously. Um, I was reading pretty much every second of every day that I wasn't in school. Um, and it was an escape for me, right? I could lose myself in these worlds where there were characters who felt like I did, that they didn't belong, but that they surmounted whatever obstacles and came out okay on the other side. And I found that very reassuring. Um, they were my friends. Books were definitely my friends. And from there it was sort of easy, kind of like, I wouldn't say fan fiction, but from there, I just started writing my own stories. And it's thanks to teachers like you um, who have writing exercises in school, right? And I still have some of my third grade stories that I wrote and illustrated. And, you know, I wrote my first author bio in one of those handmade books I made um, at that age saying that I want to be a writer when I grow up. And so that has always been a dream of mine. Um, and even still now I read everything. I mean, people are like, what's your favorite genre? And I don't really have one. I'll read very broadly, just, you know, whatever strikes me at the moment. I love that. Well, now I need to know is your favorite food bread. 
I love carbs. I can't deny it. Uh, who does not like carbs? And if they, if anyone says they don't, they're lying. <laughs> right. I mean, what else is there for breakfast? <laughs> exactly. Oh, Andrea, really? You don't know, but we're becoming best friends. You, you just I don't can know. feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about what new books you have coming out after this amazing gem, Watercress. What else do you have? Actually, I have a picture book that's coming out this May, and it's called Luli and the Language of Tea. And it's because I, I was inspired by this little snippet of information. I learned that the word for tea in over 200 languages all came from the Chinese word for tea. And I looked into it. I was like, is that true? And it is because tea was originally invented in China and from there was exported around the globe. And they took the Chinese word for tea, which is cha in Mandarin and in different dialects, it sounds a little different. And, um, you know, as it went from port to port and to country to country, they took it and it became like che and chai and te. And so it's like this, to me, it was like a global game of telephone, right? Where you like say cha in one ear and at the, air, at the other end, it comes out sounding like tea, but it's about a bunch of immigrant children who don't all speak the same language. And uh, the word for tea brings them all together. I love that. Oh, I cannot wait to check it out. That sounds <laughs> so good. Do you drink chai tea lattes or is that your jam or no? Oh yeah, that is totally my jam. Um, but I love all sorts of tea. And so it's, you know, depends on the time of day, I guess. <laughs> How do you like your chai tea prepared? Um, I usually, when I make chai tea, I make it with almond milk. Andrea, we are best <laughs> friends. <laughs> And I put in a little bit of sugar. I'm trying to cut down on the sugar, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Oh, I don't know. Do you have uh, Pete's coffee in Colorado? I am not a coffee drinker, so I don't know. But they have the best chai tea and I get it every Saturday. If you ever are watching my stories on Saturday on Instagram, I will have a chai tea in my hand. Okay, now I got to go Google Peak Pete, coffee. So like, Pete, it's Pete. P-E-E-T apostrophe X. Oh, okay. All right. I will look for that. <laughs> oh, it's so, so, so good. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about your new book. So it's in May. Okay. I'll have to be on the lookout for it. Has oh, yeah. the cover, has the cover been announced yet? It has. The cover has been revealed. Um, and educators out there, you can probably request it on Edelweiss. Um, and I think I posted the cover reveal on my Instagram. You might need to go back a little ways, but yeah. It's well, everyone, super cute. The illustrator is um, a Korean American, a woman named Haewon Yum, and she does her illustrations in colored pencil. And they're just, I think the only words that come to mind are charming and adorable. <laughs> but I'm a little biased, but I think they are. Oh, like this. Was that? Yes. Yeah. You have to click through to, to get to the reveal on uh, my friend's blog. Okay, well, I can do that at another time, but that looks, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh, actually oh, here. Here it is, here it is, she's so yep. cute. That's right, I remembered I have it printed out. <laughs> Isn't she cute? Oh my gosh, I love that. And all the languages that the other children speak are depicted in the actual script of their language. So they 
Arabic is actually in Arabic script and the Russian is in Russian script. So this is beautiful. Everyone, whatever you're doing, press pause and go look at this book wherever you look at books because, oh my word, it is Andrea. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, okay. And there's a bunch of back matter because I love back matter. Oh, back matter is the best. Like when I was reading your book and I got uh -huh. to the end and we were kind of in a rush the day that I read, read it to them. So I was like, okay, well, they're like, they're, no, there's words back there. Why aren't you reading them? And I said, we'll come back and I'll read them to you. And we did. And they were just like, Oh, oh my gosh. So now my next question for you is, do you do virtual author visits or in-person visits? I do both. So like in-person though, probably only in Colorado or do you fly? Um, I will fly if the school or the organization pays for my travel expenses. I certainly do. I'm a new empty nester. So I am also sort of spreading my wings. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Oh my gosh. And then virtual visits. Do you do a lot of them? Can people sign up? How does that work? Or um, they can contact me through my um, email address, which is andreawangbooks at gmail.com. It's also on the contact uh, page of my website if in case they forget. And yeah, just send me an email that says author visit in the subject line and uh, we can take it from there. Awesome. Well, everyone wait like three days so I can get my email in first and then <laughs> you can do your email. <laughs> so one question that I've really enjoyed asking all my authors that I've had on here is what has been your biggest life lesson that you have learned as an author that you would like to share with my listeners? think we touched on this earlier, but I think the life lesson for me is that I really am not alone. You know, I wrote this story, Watercress, feeling still very alone because um, I had to inhabit that younger self in order to write the book and remember how it felt to be, um, you know, seen as other when I was growing up and now. And just the response to it has been so just incredible how everybody says I've felt like that too, or I have a story like that as well. And they come from all different backgrounds and, you know, it doesn't matter uh, where they're from or what they look like. We all share that universal feeling, like I was saying before. So for me, it's just been incredibly validating and eye-opening. Like, I really wish I could go back and tell my younger self, like, you really aren't alone. You feel like you are, but you're really not. <laughs> so just talk about, you know, how you feel, share your stories. So, and then, and then people will respond. You don't know how much this episode or this yeah, the episode is going to mean to so many people. Like, wow, you are a gift. So when you get off of here, you can <laughs> tell your husband, I'm a gift. Like, okay. <laughs> Thank is, you. Is there anything else before we get to my rapid fire questions? Is there anything else you want to share that I didn't ask or you want all the people to know? Um, you know, I see you and I believe in you and you are enough. <laughs> oh my, everyone, you all just, 
this is a moment for me. This is a moment. Andrea, you're, you're just so lovely. And I just, I agree with her. Everyone listening, you are enough. And well, I don't have a story um, like Andrea's. I do have my own story with being dyslexic. And like you said, we all have stories and everybody deserves to feel loved. So I 100% agree with that. All right, here's my rapid fire questions. They can just be one word answers, or if you want to elaborate, knock yourself out. What book are you most excited to have come out in 2022? So my critique partner and good friend, Lisa Robinson, has written a picture book biography of Ben and Jerry called The Sweetest Scoop. And who doesn't love ice cream <laughs> with a side of social activism? And I just can't wait. And the illustrations are so fun. And there's these puns and jokes in it because Ben and Jerry's, you know, their ice cream flavors are all sorts of puns and jokes, right? So I can't wait. I think okay. it comes out in May. It does. May, May I, I feel May 15th. Y'all, as Andrea is saying this, I'm literally about to fall out of my chair because last night I was putting together books I'm excited about to come out in 2022 based on only the cover. And that was one of them. Oh, great. Well, if you want to interview Lisa. I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk oh, after. <laughs> great. Okay. Next question. Are you left or right-handed? Right. The reason I'm left-handed, but I don't know anybody left-handed. And I went to ILA a couple of years ago and everybody was left-handed and I got so excited. So now I'm just fascinated about authors and illustrators if they're left or right-handed. Favorite place to read? In bed, actually. Great. Yeah. And if you could put yourself in a book, which book would it be? I was thinking about this and I think it has to be a portal story because I love stories where you you go through a portal and end up somewhere else magical and in terms of picture books I think that would have to be Lift by Min Lay and illustrated by Dan Santat it do you know that story it's I about a girl who finds an, oh isn't Min lovely oh. <laughs> and you know the girl uh finds an elevator button and she tapes it next to her closet door or something and it becomes a portal and I'm just like oh I really want that to be real and I want to live there. I love that. I love that. Okay. This question's not on here, but since you said that you're from Centennial, I have to know, have you been to Tattered Cover? Oh yes. I was actually just there yesterday. They had a celebration for Watercrest and the awards it has won. And it was just lovely to see everybody in person again. So yeah, I have been to Tattered Cover. They have lots of really great indies here in Denver. Yes. Yeah, so growing up, we would go there. I haven't been there since I was probably five, but like my mom talks about that bookstore all the time. And so that's one, I definitely want to go back to Colorado, have to go to is the Tattered Cover. Oh, so great. So Andrea, it has been so amazing to have you on Confetti Moments. Where can my listeners find you and connect with you? Um, it has been wonderful to be here too, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and listeners, you can find me on my website, which is andreayywang.com. Y is my middle initial. And on Twitter, I'm at Andrea Y. Wang. And on Instagram, I'm also at Andrea Y. Wang, but I spelled out the Y as W-H-Y just to be weird. So, <laughs> and also because I'm curious, I'm always asking why. <laughs> so it seems sort of natural. 
I love it. That's awesome. Well, Andrea, thank you so much. This You're such a blessing and I'm so excited for you and everything you have coming your way. Thank you so much, Courtney. Hey, teachers. How are you? I am just so thankful that you have been listening to the Confetti Moments podcast. It is something that I love to do. I love to share my love of picture books and books and the love of teachers with all of you. And you know what I would love as well is, hey, why don't you share this podcast with another friend to spread the magic with them and leave a comment. Let teachers know, what do you love about this podcast? What do you want me to share more of? I would love to hear from you. All you have to do is go on to wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. Thanks so much. And as always, open the magic. Friends, I love a good graphic tee, don't you? Did you know that I just launched my new magic wear? Yes, that's right. I have new designs, colors, clothing, cups, and hats. You can celebrate the love of reading by rocking an open the magic hat to the beach, a picture books or my jam shirt to the gym, and sip your chai tea latte on Fridays like me in a all new All the Confetti Moments logo mug. Order today by visiting my shop at bit.ly backslash magicware store. Again, that's B-I-T dot L-Y backslash M-A-G-I-C-W-E-A-R-S-T-O-R-E. All right, let's open the magic together and spread the love of reading all around the world. Thank you so much for tuning into the Confetti Moments podcast. I hope each story or tip you heard today brings the love of reading into your heart. Take this confetti and sprinkle it all over the children in your classroom or home. See you back here next Monday to open the magic.